You're listening to Creative Paths with Contact, the podcast where we step off the beaten track to explore the ups and downs of being a creative. We're your hosts, Sam Cole and Laura Trova, and throughout this journey, people that inspire us will be letting us into their worlds to share their unique stories and experiences. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Paths. Episode 7 sees us joined by 24-year-old actress and entrepreneur Maisie Williams, recognised worldwide for her role as Aya Stark in the award-winning Game of Thrones and The New Mutants, Maisie's career has seen her take both TV and film by storm. Outside of acting, Maisie co-founded Daisy, a platform designed to bring creatives together. Most recently, she has worked alongside partner Ruben Selby to bring his self-named fashion line to life, as well as founding her own female-led production company, Wrapped. While most of us are familiar with Maisie for her acting roles, her creative path doesn't end there. We'll be exploring her varied creative outlets while shedding some light on some exciting projects currently in the works. Thank you for joining me today, Maisie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. So I thought it might be nice for us to do this like a little bit differently from how we've been doing it before, because cool. I think in the world of uh, acting, you're somewhat of a household name in both TV and film. So <laughs> I thought instead of starting things at your journey into like your first big role, we could look at how you stepped into your first like creative role outside of acting right. and what the transitional process was like, any challenges you had to face while exploring the wider creative industry? So, yeah, I mean, I, I came out of like a, a decade of working on Game of Thrones. And I think, you know, I was always a creative person when I was a child, but for most of my adolescence and for most of my self-discovery, I was part of this show. And I think like stepping out and trusting my own taste, I guess, was like mm. quite a scary thing to do. And... The first thing that I really ended up doing was sort of founding a company within the creative space. And in that, I got to interview and talk to a lot of creative people, kind of like what you're doing with this podcast. Mm. Mm. And it was really interesting to hear people speak about their creative process, because I don't know that I'd necessarily really dived into like what that is for me. But I guess since that point, I mean, like, you know, I have now founded my own production company and, you know, I decided I do want to make my own movies. And that was always something that I said, but sort of stepping out and really doing that has been uh, really empowering. And I think, you know, every day I am learning more and more about what it is that I really love. And yeah, I think you just really do have to nurture that. I mean, even when you've been given like incredible opportunities to be very creative, I think finding what your own taste is and what your own voice is, is like, it is a very challenging thing to do. Not for everyone, but like I do mm. find that quite difficult and I struggle to just let ideas flow naturally. Or And I think that's what I've really been trying to nurture during this lockdown and just not listen to what other people love, but just really try and hone in on what it is that I love about movies, about fashion, about art, about film, like, Absolutely. you know, whatever it is. So, yeah. I can't really remember what the question was, but I think <laughs> <laughs> I think you uh, you definitely you definitely I've answered it. it <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I would like to speak more about your production company, but before that, in terms of the things that you've, I mean, you have touched on this, but the things that you've mm. learned through exploring these other creative avenues, do you think those? elements of you know your career have complemented your acting and vice versa in, in any ways 
Yeah, absolutely. I think finding out what it is that I like about films mm. has really helped me in sort of like reading scripts and figuring out whether or not I think they would turn into a good film. Because quite often as an actor, you do feel like you're stabbing in the dark. You know, you can read something and think that it's really great, but it, there's so many, you know, decisions that can't, that, that come after that point that can really right. just change something. Who's shooting it? Who's directing it? Who else is in it? You know, what studio is making it? All, all of those things, it, it really does determine the outcome unless you have a script which is so, so, you know, on the money that everyone is on the same page from the get-go. And that, and that is rare. So watching a lot of films and really sort of realising, I'm not really crazy about stories. And I think a lot of people get into this because they love telling stories. And, and I do think that is like such a valuable part of filmmaking but I just I think I really love people and I think I really love characters and and honestly sometimes I think that if I love a character enough they could really be doing anything and I I would just watch it because I just love seeing how this person behaves and so that's really helped in sort of I quite often now as an actor don't look at the log line because actually for me it's not really about what they're doing it's about who they are and so now I really sort of want to dive into the character and and that kind of brief and you know, famously, female characters are usually their character brief is more about their aesthetics rather than who they are. I mean, that is definitely changing a lot. And so, yeah, what's been really, really wonderful in sort of like, you know, learning about my taste is is now being able to ask the right questions when I get to, you know, meet with a director or, you know, whoever it is to to find out who this character is going to be and, and whether or not I am interested still. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So going back um, to your production company, um, I want to sort of ask you how important you find it that the creative industry as a whole learns to nurture more creative, um, female-led creative talent teams and what sort of impact that you and your team are hoping to have with that on the wider industry? Yeah, I think that it's, um, I think it's just interesting to hear stories from different perspectives and, and, you know, just to watch content from different perspectives. I think like as a woman, there's a lot of pressure to make sort of films about a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, I, you know, what I find interesting is how maybe a woman would see a, a man's story. I, I just think seeing like any sort of fresh perspective on, on any kind of story is very interesting. But yeah, the creative industries, I think, are trying, like we're trying to do better. And, you know, with that comes tokenism or like whatever, but I, th- I think there are really great steps moving in the right direction. And the fact that I can even, you know, say as an actor, you know, as a, as a, as a young actress, you know, I want to start my own production company and, and there are people around that say, yes, absolutely. How can we help you? That's like, you know, that wouldn't have happened 50 years ago. So, you know, that definitely is progress. I think that's what people are craving. People are just craving things that are new and that are different and for their perceptions to be challenged. And, you know, sometimes that's quite painful. And, you know, it sometimes that, you, you know, you have to rely on, you know, other people to, to bring that perspective. But I do think it's all very interesting. And it's such a blessing to be able to, you know, create things at this time in our existence. Like we really are at like a a real, like, a point of tension between like the old and the new and like everything is yeah such a bonkers point with like technology (sighs) and figuring out how that's going to influence art and like you know if you look back to like the 1920s when they had the Spanish flu and they had the first world war and then 
you know, everything was just like completely insane. And then they had like the roaring 20s where everything just went crazy. I, I really, I say this all the time, but like I genuinely think that we're going to sort of roll into the roaring 20s of the oh, I 21st so. century. Yeah, but, really but art change, so. you know, the, uh, like, you know, Bauhaus movement and Art Deco and like everything was new and art was just becoming more conceptual and just m- more strange to look at and abstract. And we're living in that right now. And, and I wonder, you know, what sort of things we're going to make that in a hundred years time, they'll go like, why did they just randomly decide to start doing things <laughs> completely differently? Um, and yeah, that's happening at the moment. And it's exciting to be a part. No, of that's, that's a beautiful way to look at it. I mean, on that as well, I, I kind of wonder, obviously, you are you're still very young we both are very young but would would there been any impact on your career and sort of the way i don't know you perceived yourself and the industry if you had seen more of these female led teams as you were sort of coming up and as you sort of stepped into game of thrones and and just your career at the beginning like would that have changed yourself in any sort of way yeah possibly i did have the opportunity to work with a couple of female directors very early on in my career and I noticed like a very, a real difference on set. And I think that is what inspired me to say, you know, like I, I can do this because a lot of sets do have like a kind of hierarchy to them. And I think when I was first on set where it was like a female DOP and a female director and a female first and females, it was actually, there was more heads of departments who were, who were women than, than men. And I've, I've never worked on a production like it since other than right. the ones that I've produced, but it was just an entirely different atmosphere. And it was the first time that my like status as an actor was challenged mm. and not that like that was a problem to me, but it was like, oh, it's nice that there's like everyone's just sort of brought down to the same level and we're just working on this together and there's no sort of like fake niceties about it let's just like get something made that's like really visceral and like the film itself was quite we we had quite like a method way of working and the film is just it's called The Falling it was directed by this woman called Cara Morley and it's I'm still still the proudest thing that I've ever done and you know it just really had a sense of like like passion within it I think and and that's what this set had created and I think you know seeing that and seeing actually you know you can you can mold a set to be the way that you want it to be that was what you know excited me about creating my own sort of work environments for other people and just you know making something that suits the the project rather than just this sort of like cookie cutter mold of you know director and actor and 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 then everyone you know it just kind of doesn't make sense sometimes do you feel as if that on a on a wider scale, not not just, you know, when people such as yourselves are creating their own environments and nurturing their own environments, do you think this is something that is going to expand across the the wider like media and that these sort of environments are going to be challenged and, you know, the status quo is going to change in like a healthy way? Or do you think that's going to be like a really slow process that a lot of people aren't necessarily seeing just yet? It will change, definitely. The speed of which it happens will be different for everyone. I think that there's this like lyric in this song that I was listening to recently. And it says, it's like Marina and the Diamonds. It's like kind of embarrassing, but she says, <laughs> she's like singing about being a prima donna. And like, I just, I kind of, it just makes me feel like 
I don't know, powerful and stupid whenever I listen to it. But <laughs> she says, I get what I want because I ask for it, not because I'm deserving of it. Mm. And I do feel like that's like a real, I don't know, that's like a particular way of looking at the world. And I think like if you demand change and you say like, if you want to work with me, if I've got, if you want to work with me so badly and, you know, I'm really you know what you want for this, project whatever we're doing this is the way that it's going to be and this is the way that I want it to to work and if you don't want you know and it's being able to you know not everyone is in that position and I'm privileged enough that I am but to say like you know it's just not going to happen if we don't do it in the way that I want it to and not everyone a is in the position that they feel that they can do that but also not everybody wants to do that they want people to just be able to create an environment for them to step into and they don't want to have to work for it or fight for it or ask for it and and i I do completely see both sides but i think if there's enough people that just keep demanding change in everything that they do every set that they step on you know then that does really help sort of push things in the right direction i think and it's something that I do really try to do because I am getting to a point in my career now where I can demand things like that. And people do, people do listen. And I, and I just hope that it has a positive impact for other people on set, you know? Sure. That must be like a very empowering feeling as well to, you know, now be at that point and just yeah. say, look, this isn't right. I think we're seeing it as well, especially like generationally at the moment, like younger people are really taking that step to be like, you know, things have gone this way. This isn't working. Like, it needs to change right now and we're going to keep making noise until you listen. So it's really good exactly. to see that spread across, you know, the places it needs to be. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of time and there are going to be things that, you know, that aren't working and, you know, it's not going to be perfect overnight. But if you don't have hope and you don't try, you don't keep pushing, then it will be quite a lonely and hopeless sort of like view of the world. So I think it, you know, it is important to just keep moving keep that spirit alive yeah (laughs) of course so i wanted to now talk about the brand ruben selby um obviously Mm -hmm. you and ruben have been working on and again you've got an amazing talented team of females working on that as well yeah so obviously you have aligned yourself with sustainable ethical values throughout Mm -hmm. your career just as a person and this is something that you've also you guys have all brought into the brand as well. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to sort of focus on is obviously the pandemic as a whole for a lot of brands has presented like some huge challenges, especially on like the independent side of things where you haven't got like this massive, massive, massive backing behind you. What sort of challenges have you all seen as a team working through the pandemic, trying to put this all together, having your first show last year? And do you feel as if those challenges have made you all better equipped to work towards next shows, new collections and so on? Yeah, I mean, like the the first challenge which really comes to mind was just like the nature of putting on a show, you know, um, because you, you can't have any people. And traditionally, the show is for press to come and see and write about what they've watched. And, and that's sort of, that's the launch. That's how things typically begin. Sure. And so you know, we had to be creative in, in how we did that. And we knew that it was going to be more about the image, which we created versus, you know, the, the word that sort of spread. And so that meant that we really put everything into creating a, just like a 
a picture, a tableau that that people would see and they would instantly like recognize the brand and, and want to belong and like want to be a part of it. And it actually somewhat took the pressure off because we could control that picture. We could control the image. And it was, you know, that is sort of the direction that a lot of things are heading and being more sort of decentralized. So it was nice for us to hone in more on what we wanted that to be. And it is something, you know, with this next show that we're, we're also really pushing and just, you know, finding that really strong image and like, you know, what, what this collection is and what that's going to be for this collection. I hope that we will have some people there this time, but again, it's, it's more about, you know, creating that thing that lives on after the, you know, the show is done. And then I think, you know, the brand was never really created for sort of production, the production of clothes. That was never like the focus. We always wanted to create incredible bespoke shows and for that to be sort of like the work of art that we spend our time on and energy on. And, you know, the world doesn't necessarily need more clothes. And so it's like really figuring out the things that go into production and making sure that they're perfect and that they are of a standard that we're really happy with and, you know, that we're not going to have sort of dead stock left behind and and we're going to create things that are really sort of special. But, you know, production, that's been like a real challenge um, with sort of like shipping back and forth. And oh, and, and gosh, it's something yeah. that just everyone is facing right now. And it's quite nice that it's happening to everyone and it's not yeah. just, you know, just us because you just, you have to bend to it and just give to it and let it just take the time that it, that it takes. But that's been, it's been better because it, we've, we've made better decisions because you, you're forced to limit the amount of samples you can do or, you know, and it is just kind of more, a more sustainable way of working, I guess. So it is it, worked in our favor, but it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite funny having spoken to, you know, one of our other guests, Talal, he, he has his own brand as well. And just seeing mm. those parallels in how things have changed, but also the ways that people are recognizing the benefits and that decentralization of things that you spoke about. It's like creators have the power again. It's been given back to them to do things in their own way. And it's, it's really cool to see that in fashion because I think that's something that's been missing for a while because see everything is just so commercially driven that some of the art has been stripped away and like definitely from what I've seen from obviously the last show and taking my sneaky peeks at what's happening with the next show. It's like amazing to see really, really special. I'm glad that you, so, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> no, honestly, incredible, incredible work. Also, you know, back, back to the sustainability aspect of it, mm-hmm. which we have just touched on, but how, for anyone that's sort of unaware with what happened with the last show and some of the sustainable partners that you guys had, how are you outside of, let's say outside the operations, how are you ensuring that the brand itself is as sustainable as possible? And how has that informed the decisions you're making for the next show specifically? Yeah. So we work with a lot of sustainably sourced materials, which is, it's an incredible thing, but it's not enough, I don't Mm -hmm. think. And so what we also try to do is invest in sort of like recycled materials and fabrics. And so for the last show, we partnered with um, Infinited Fibre, who create 
yeah, just create like a new sort of like woven denim from old fibers and all kinds of sort of like recycled material, which is great because not only is the the fabric itself a sustainable fabric, but it also gets rid of some of the problem. And so that's something that we're really interested in sourcing more of. For this show, we're using like a lot of dead stock fabric. So fabric that would otherwise basically be binned, um, which means that every single piece is completely unique. And given that, you know, it's not about production for us, like it is a decision that we can very e- easily make. Not a lot of other brands can can sort of do that. And so making sure that our, you know, all of our pieces are very bespoke and, and sort of the life cycle of that one piece, whether it goes to our friend or, you know, it can sort of go into shoots and on magazines and be worn on the red carpet or like whatever it is for for a time but like these pieces themselves they don't really go into store they just go to people who we know and love and you know that is like a completely bespoke unique piece that will never really be recreated which is kind of exciting and and as you say like because of production and because of you know the commercial world like you you do really miss that like one-off bespoke thing about you know the art of it because um everything is just mass produced now and then in terms of just sort of the way that the girls work we are very sort of nifty in the fabrics that we use and when we're sort of twirling and making sure that we're not hugely wasteful like they are so phenomenal at what they do and and um yeah I think they all really sort of believe in creating a more circular and green industry and so when you have people like that that are working day to day with the fabric then they you know cut corners that sounds like they cut corners in a lazy <laughs> way but they 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 use the corners <laughs> and um just like work in a way that's that is very ecological for sure that's that's really really great it's good to see people you know taking those steps i think that's something that comes with working in small teams as well being able to like maintain mm. that passion in in everything that you're that you're doing and recognizing what the mission is of everything that you're that you're creating and not just creating for creating sake which yeah it's like exciting like when you give yourself boundaries and you give yourself and like any kind of boundaries you know color palette or like we do all the time it, it does make you more creative it makes you you know get your brain ticking and and that's exciting it's fun to do that if you had to just give like a very small summary for you know anyone that's going to be interested in what you guys are delivering for the next show what would you say if even if it's just like one sentence to just put things into perspective of what it may be yeah so the brand itself really sort of uh explores like tribes or like clans or groups and we want to create like a brand and clothes that help make people like belong and feel like they belong, but without necessarily looking particularly out there. Like we always say that the clothes are kind of for introverts. So it's not like in a, in like a logo mania way where everyone's sort of like, you know, sure. looks like they're part of a group. It, it is more about the wearer and how they feel. And so with this next collection, we are really diving into sort of like how people want to feel and and what kind of like modern day armor would be like and how clothes can make you feel safe and comfortable and powerful as a man or a woman or a non-binary person and we kind of sort of don't really we know that comfort means the same thing to both men and women and 
any gender that you identify as. And so we wanted to sort of like look at this collection, of, uh, you know, more broadly and figure out what what those parts of your body are that you want to protect and that you want to highlight. And so I think, yeah, we do dive into more kind of like fight wear armor <laughs> stuff, which is very exciting and something that That's I've always nice. loved. It's like yeah. you're building quite an um, emotional connection, like with the pieces themselves and then you know seeing what people then do with that and how they showcase that themselves and i think that's that's really special exactly yeah it's ultimately about whoever is wearing it at that point you know how they feel and what they want to do and yeah we're very sort of like collaborative with the models and and you know how they want to feel and and how they want to look and that's sort of a big part of all of our fittings again back to empowerment think which is like mm-hmm. the key the key word in in everything that we've been talking about really it's yeah everyone feeling empowered mm-hmm. so it would be nice for us to take it full circle and go back to acting and so your your next role coming up is in danny Boyle's series pistol mm-hmm. people have been very excited about and it would be great for me and everyone else, especially me though, to know a bit more about stepping into the role, sort of filling those shoes of the role and sort of just a bit more of what the show specifically is about. Yeah. So Pistol is about, it's based on a book written by Steve Jones, who was the lead guitarist of the Sex Pistols. And it's about his life, really. A large portion of the book focuses in on his time where he he was part of the Sex Pistols. And what I didn't realise is that Malcolm McLaren was dating Vivian Westwood, or Vivian Westwood was dating Malcolm McLaren, let's be honest. Um, and <laughs> he was managing the band for their early career and she was dressing them and the two of them sort of like formed this punk revolution this art movement along with the music along with the fashion and and everything in between and I play a character called Jordan and she was kind of a walking embodiment of Vivian Westwood's shop at the time which was on the King's Road called Sex and she did a lot of press and a lot of I guess I mean, she was like a 70s influencer, like, if you will. She was like a muse of the brand. So that's sort of my connection to the story. Um, And Steve Jones is in the shop quite often. So for me, this role has been, it's been amazing. Like, I didn't really realize what it was that I was looking for. But being part of a film which sort of focuses in on an era that has influenced so much of pop culture today and so much of, you know, my life it's just been really eye-opening and something that I just never really knew a lot about before. And I think a lot of the sort of punk movement, I would say that like a lot of the thoughts and feelings and emotions were very sort of similar to how a lot of young people still feel today. And so although it is a story from like nearly more over 50, yeah, nearly 50 years ago, it is still very modern. And so you know, the, the amazing sort of challenge for us is to is to create something that our parents are going to love because it's going to remind them of, you know, their adolescence, but also create something that young people today are still going to connect with and find a way that these, you know, different storylines can align. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And it's so much fun. Jordan was like the original punk. She has this like blonde beehive and... 
She, you know, just dresses head to toe in rubber latex clothes, which is, they're so hard to get on. It's a far cry from anything that I've done before. And I'm just having the best time. That honestly sounds really, really exciting. And I, for one, cannot wait to tune in. So the way that we round off with our guests on each episode of the podcast is that we have three quick fire questions that we throw at you. The first of those is one dream collaboration and why? In fashion, Raph Simmons, I think it would be really fun. And I think if it was something that I was wearing, it would push me outside of my comfort zone, which would be fun. And in film, Tim Burton, um, but like Tim Burton a while ago, because I like his old films more. So maybe if if we <laughs> did something that was like more similar to his old films and we went back to practical horror rather than CGI. <laughs> That's great. There's some really good choices. I think you and Raph would be would be very, very, very special. I think that's something people would love to see. So fingers crossed for that one. And the final question is, what is one goal that you have set for yourself? There's no time limit on this. This could be next week. This could be in five years' time. But one goal that you've kept locked in and you're really trying to work towards. I've had so many goals. Well, I had a goal that I wanted to work with a director that I really idolised. And, you know, working with Danny Boyle has has done that I think I would love to work uh on a you know as a leading role in a film with a director that I really idolize that's my next one I guess amazing smashed it so Maisie thank you so much for for joining us that was really really great conversation and uh it was great to catch up thank you so much it's such a such a lovely interview it's fun to talk about these things thank you You can stay up to date with Maisie by dropping her a follow on Instagram at Maisie Williams and keep an eye on everything happening with the brand via rubenselby.co. At Contact, we're building a platform that helps creative talent get more work and makes it easier for those looking for creative talent to find great people to work with. Our current product caters exclusively to models, but over the next year or so, we're expanding out to let anybody who works in the creative industries, such as photographers, directors, makeup artists and more, get booked through Contact. You can find and book talent and visit our blog backstage online at contact.xyz. To stay up to date with everything happening at Contact, follow us on Instagram at contact.xyz and contact.models, on TikTok at contact.xyz and Twitter at contact underscore xyz.